Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. I'm excited. I get to introduce our guest. This is the last time I will introduce him. And the reason why it's the last time I will introduce him is he's really no longer a guest. Pat and Christine have made Rock Church their home church. All right. Uh, Pat travels quite a bit. He's probably speaking anywhere from three or four times a month in other churches. But when he's home, they're going to make the rock their home. Um, I've known Pat for over 40 years, and he still likes me, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? He he was a lead pastor uh, for about 10 years. And like I said, right now he's he's traveling quite a bit in lots of different uh, churches in the state of Michigan. So let's give Pastor Pat Guido a radical rock welcome. Come on, Guido. Love you, brother. Bless you, man. Amen. Morning, church. And uh, 43 years, yeah, it was 43 years ago that me and Pastor Ange met. The year was 1979. Who was even alive back then? 1979, huh? The top song back then was My Sharona. Come on. Yeah, My Sharona. The top movie was Rocky II had just come out. 1979. MSU won the NCAA basketball. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. What a game that was in 1979. They were the championships. The Lions were 2-14. and 14. Some, things, some things just haven't changed, right? Monty Clark, Jeff Como were the, uh, was the quarterback over there. Yeah, that was, uh, it was quite a year, 1979. Jimmy Carter was president. And, uh, and my life had changed that year. Uh, there was a detour, God, and, you know, God has detours for us sometimes that sometimes we don't really understand what's taking place. And at that time, I was young, and, and uh, I detour, wasn't going to go to new school, brand new school, junior high, didn't know a soul, didn't know a person. And uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, this is what I, I'm going to do, and it's going to work out somehow. And then my locker buddy and my football friend would be Angelo Felice, who would be uh, now Pastor Angelo. And uh, what, a, what a blessing I had to be able to meet the most popular guy in the school, I say. This guy had it going on. He was passionate, no change, right? He was a ball of fire. Forget about firecracker. He's an M80 packed up, man. He was, he was ready to go. And, uh, yeah, we enjoyed our times together. And, and what a great friend. And uh, I remember he'd always say to me, Guido, I'm going to knock you upside your head. That's what he would say to me. Like, what do, I, what do you mean? I've never been knocked upside my head before. And, you know, he never did it, but uh, then I saw, you know, uh, Will Smith hit Chris Rock. Now, that's what being knocked upside your head's all about. That's what it was. I feel just like. <laughs> but remember, we're 14 years old. I mean, we're just all about whatever's going on in life in that time, and uh, we had some great influences. I just, you know, I think about, Ange, if the teachers and the principals could see you now. And, and see all you have done through your faithful obedience, right? I mean, amazing, amazing ministry that God has used as faithful obedience. I had, we had gone our own ways. I had left uh, that school, went to a different school, haven't heard from him. This is before Facebook and connecting and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got saved in 1984. I, I, like Angelo, I met a beautiful woman. Uh, he met Kim. I met my wife, uh, Christine, to be my wife. And these were people of faith. This was a connection. Pastor Andrew been preaching about connecting. 
and what connections can do in your lives. And, and when we fell in love with these women, they were Christians. They had Christian families and homes. And we were brought into the faith through that connection. And God used that in a very mighty way. And, and, uh, and I hadn't heard about his salvation by late 80s. The word came to me from somebody who was from the East Detroit area. I said, do you know this person? And they are talking about, I said, are you kidding me? No. I mean, this is like, you know, Saul being turned into Paul. I mean, this was the furthest thing I thought could ever take place. And it did. Salvation came to Angelo Felice, Pastor Angelo. And man, what a, what a testimony that was. So uh, I just, every time I come here and see him, I go back to that time in my life in 1979. Thank the Lord for it. I just want to say, brother, uh, thank you for being my friend that year. I needed a friend. And you were a friend to me. He took me as a friend, and I thank you for that. And, and that's how God works. That's why Pastor Ange has been talking about connections and, and being connected. God works through friendships. God works through relationships. A lot of your prayers are answered through other people. And God is great at putting connections together. And the greatest blessings you can have in your life are the people God puts in your lives. Sometimes they're for a short season. Sometimes for a longer season. Sometimes they're, it's your soulmate, Right? But God works in these ways. God knows our needs as a people to have people in our lives that can pour into us and we can pour into and, and we flow and we move. And that's the importance of connections. That's why God has given us the blessing of a church and a body to come together and be a part of. So thank you for the messages the last few weeks pastors had on wake up to connections. Amen. Today, wake up to the king. Wake up to the king. We're going to talk about waking up to the king, our king, Jesus. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday, very important day in the calendar of the Christian church, these next two Sundays, today, next Sunday, high holy days. Day is very important to us as believers. This is a day that we're going to look at today and just kind of understand a little bit because not everyone understood the significance of Palm Sunday. And the thing to understand and, and look at this and, and really realize is this day was intentional. What Jesus is going to do, we're going to read about in John chapter 12, the, the coming, the Palm Sunday, triumphant entry. This was a very intentional moment in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It had come to that time where now the time was to be where he would give the ultimate sacrifice. And it was going to be done in a certain way. All before this, they were, people wanted to make him their king. And Jesus said, no, no, you're not going to do what you want to do. It's under my timetable. And the time had come, and Jesus had prepared for this day. Jesus had summoned for a donkey and a colt. colt. He told his disciples in another gospel account of this day to go to this town to tell the master has need. The master has need. He was orchestrating intentionally this day to show you right here and to show me right here that our king has come, that our king has come, to wake up to the king. And in America and throughout this world, there is a dire need for people looking for a savior, looking for a Messiah, looking for a king. We look to our government and, and why? Why do we put so much emphasis and so much on our politics and political system? They were then as well too. Why do we look to the, the president and to the government system? We look to military might or other means. What Jesus is saying, your king has come. Amen. Your king has come. It's very important today that you see this and you understand that. We're not looking for a king. The Jews today still look for Messiah. 
They look for the king to come. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came, amen? He is the king. Jesus is the king. He is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. Now, Jesus wasn't a man who became king. Jesus was a king who became man. He was and he is and always will be. Our king has come. And when he took the colt and he took that donkey and he came down the Mount of Olives and he entered into that gate, he was saying to you and saying to me, I have come. I am your king. I am your king. He was coming for his coronation. Now this is where people fail to understand. Let's look at the scripture verse this morning and kind of build off that about our king, Jesus, the king. In John chapter 12, we'll read us 12 through 16. I believe that we have it behind us as well too, or in front of you. The next day, this is the next day taking place, a great crowd had come for the festival, heard, uh, for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was making his way. Jesus had just performed one of the greatest miracles, the raising of Lazarus, not too uh, much sooner than this. The crowd was alive. The crowd was buzzing. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. This is during Passover, the Passover week. Typically, Jerusalem would have 70,000 to 80,000 people that would live in that city. Now, hundreds of thousands would come together. And Jesus, now we see here in the word, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna means save us. Save us. They were looking for a savior. They wanted a, a man like Daniel. They wanted a mighty warrior to come and rescue them, to set them free. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Look at the continuing verses on this, though. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming. This is taken from Zechariah. This is fulfillment of prophecy spoken of. Uh, years and years beforehand, the prophecy of how Christ would come. He came on a donkey's colt. And look at the verse where it says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. That's the key verse this morning. They didn't understand what was going on. They failed to understand what was taking place, not just this event, but the event during the course of this week that we would lead into. The event that would lead into the crucifixion, the suffering of Jesus. They did not understand that. And that's so important for you and I here today as today's believers. There's times you're going to face that you're not going to understand what God is doing. You're not going to understand what is going on. You're going to think that, wait a minute, I serve you, Jesus. I live for you, Jesus. I've given my life for you. What is taking place in my life right now? Why did I receive this bad report from the doctor? Why, why did I just go through this terrible situation at work or this terrible relationship or what's taking place? God, where are you? I don't understand. This last few years, we've seen a lot of people go through a very difficult time with the impact of COVID and a lot of lives of a lot of people. Maybe you're here today and maybe you suffered the loss of a loved one and people who've been broken and, and shattered. We see today a, a lot of impact emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that has taken place by this great pandemic. Challenging times that we have gone through. In the midst of that, we've gone through political upheaval. We live in a very divided country, and now we face a a world that seemingly war is on the doorstep in many different areas. And there's a lot of people today that are struggling in this place of understanding, where is my king? 
See, they were looking for a king to come in a certain way. Jesus came in a donkey. That is the way royalty came in peace. They came in peace. Had a ruler come on a white horse in war, that would have meant he came as a warrior. But Jesus came, not just to fulfill prophecy, but Jesus came to speak to us here today. I come in peace. I come lowly. I come before you as your king. The other important thing of this day, this Palm Sunday today that we look at, and according to Genesis and the Passover, this is also a Passover week for the Jews as well too. On the 10th of Nisan, which would be today in effect, the lamb that was to be slain for Passover was to be selected, was to be pulled from the pen, that spotless, without blemish lamb was to be set aside at this point in time so that when the Passover meal were to come and the eating of the body and eating of the meat, it would already have been set aside. Jesus is coming upon this donkey. He's coming upon this city as a king, but also on the day the lamb would be set aside. Jesus was coming not just to declare king, but also to declare to be the lamb of God. And this is where the struggle point was taking place in the disciples. They understood and they wanted the Jesus, the Savior, the warrior, the mighty one, the rescuer, but the Lamb of God to come and to to be sacrificed. They knew that Jesus was despised and knew Jesus was hated. There was no, no misunderstanding when it came to that. Thomas had said previously to this, why are we going to Jerusalem so we can all die? And Jesus had told them that he would die, but they didn't think it would come this way. That the king would come to lay down his life. Jesus was not a victim. Under Make no mistake about it. He who was and is and is to come at all times had the ability, had the, the, the power and the strength to, to not die, <laughs> to call upon the angels, to, to do what he would do. We've seen his sovereignty, amen? He who speaks to the wind and it's silent, the storms and are gone. He who who can take the dead and raise them, amen? The power of our God. So why are you using your your popularity? Why are you using all these great things and followers to die? To to, to lay your life down. They did not understand that. And they struggled with that. We know they struggled with that. Well, we know during the course of the week, they would forsake him, wouldn't they? You see, sometimes we just don't want to understand what God is doing. We don't want to understand it. Why? Because you mean, Jesus, if, if, if you take up your cross, if you go to Calvary and you say you're doing that for me, that means I, I should have gone to Calvary, that I'm the one, that I'm the sinner that needs a Savior. Me? No. I'm a good person. I, I mean, me? No. No, my, someone else. Yeah, they, they need it, not me. I don't need to go to Calvary. I don't need to have my sins paid for. We think we understand and we think we know what we know. We don't always want to understand. And sometimes God works in our lives in a way I say, sometimes it's addition through subtraction. Sometimes God will allow things to be taken away from us, us to go through certain kind of suffering. He'll allow certain kind of pain and struggle because God is working in our lives. He's working all things together for the good in our lives. And we don't always have that understanding Hear the testimony of Rock Church. Hear the, the sacrifice of your pastor and, and Kim and, and, and the ministry and the, the seemingly setbacks that took place and the times where they wondered, where is this leading to? Where will we go? And they had to work through and not lean on their understanding and to continue to acknowledge God in all their ways and he would make the path straight. 
God is looking for people who understand, who understand the fullness of what God is doing. And it, but the Bible says here, they did not understand, did not understand. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about is waking up to the king. Well, who is he? If I was speaking to that crowd this morning in Jerusalem who were waiting for him to come down to Mount of Olives, who is this Jesus? Who is he? Do you understand who he is? Mark 14, the word says here and in, in, in spoken, this is Jesus before, uh, before the, the, the Sanhedrin, the priest, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. I am. I am the Messiah. I am that I am. I am the son of man. I am before all things. I am the chosen one. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. I am the bread. I am the living water. I am the creator. Amen. I am the image of the invisible. I am the fullness of God who dwells in him. When you have seen me, you have seen the father. I am that I am is what Jesus was saying there. And he's saying this to, to tell you and to tell me, yes, our king has come and he is your king. Don't look anywhere else. I'm your king today. I'm the solution to your problems. I'm what you need today. I have come for you. I have come to Jerusalem for you. My king has come. My king has come. And I can rejoice in it. I don't need anything else to be done in my life but the acknowledgement and the, and the understanding that Jesus has come. My king has come. He professed that, who he was. And this is what, this is what caused him, this is what would bring about the greatest anger, right? The pride, the anger, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, Caiaphas, the high priest, who said that one should die for all, right? They wanted, him, they wanted to cancel Jesus, didn't they? They wanted to, to shut him down. So they thought they could kill God. They can kill the Son of God, the begotten of the Father. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the prophecies that were written about Messiah and his coming, that he'd be a suffering Savior, that mankind had a problem. We have, a, we have instilled with us, it's called a sinful nature. It comes from Adam. It, you see, we sin because there's a, a sinful nature within us that needed to be dealt with by a holy, just God. And then the Passover lamb, the sacrifice, the blood that was shed by that lamb, it, it didn't take away the sin. It, it didn't change from the inside out. It was a foreshadowing of the greatest sacrifice that would ever come known to mankind. That God himself would become flesh. That God would give his son, his son Jesus, the great I am, to come and be the lamb of God. To be the lamb of God. And that is what they struggled with, didn't they? They struggle with, and sometimes we can struggle with that. I don't need a savior. You don't? You don't want everlasting life? You want to live this life, and you think this is, the, this is what life is, what you have, what you possess, and what you gain, and you base it on your looks, and this vain world, and the love of the world, and these things of the world, such emptiness, such emptiness. Jesus has come to give us life. He is the great I am. That waking up to the king is knowing who he is. Why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Matthew 16, the Bible says here, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. This was it, Palm Sunday. I must go to Jerusalem. He had gone to Jerusalem many times. Growing up, we've seen him at the temple. He'd come for Passover. He would come to the feast. But this time was different. 
He must go to Jerusalem. Why? Because that would be the place that he would suffer, the Bible says. It says he would suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. He must be. And then the third day, next Sunday, we'll celebrate, amen? Raise light, but he must lay down his life. For him to be your king today, he had to be the lamb. For us to have hope of salvation, for us to have a new life, a new life in Christ, for us to be born of the Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit, something had to be done. It couldn't just be uh, uh, this nice thing happened. Just believe this story. There had to be substance. There had to be a reality of the atonement of the sin, of my sin, of your sin, of our unrighteousness. Romans chapter 3 speaks of this, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yea, none are declared righteous. Jesus must, he came for this purpose. He came to be the lamb of God who would lay down his life. He would willfully surrender and he must be killed. He must be killed. This is what the disciples didn't want to understand. I want to be on top with you, Jesus. I want to rule with you. I want to be there when we overtake the Roman government and we get back Israel to ourselves and rule and reign. Jesus said, it's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. That will not solve anything. Well, they could have had temporary rule. They could have ruled maybe for 100 years. Where would we be today? If he not lay down his life, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be in this church. We wouldn't have the, the blessings of God upon our lives. Who did he come here for? When we wake up to the king, who did he come here for? The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He himself bore our sins. That cross, that cross, that place of crucifixion, Calvary, Golgotha, that place of suffering was Jesus bearing, boring our sins, the propitiation of our sins. This is where justice was served. We all want justice, don't we? We long for it. We hear of tragedies. We hear of things. Where's the justice? And if you're like me, I mean, you know, when you see someone take your parking spot, where's the justice in that, right? That ain't right. I've been waiting here the whole time. I mean, if someone gets served before us waiting in line for fast food, where's the justice in that? We just want justice, don't we? Of course, we want it in all realms. But if we got what we justly deserved, what Jesus is saying, that we'd be on the cross. And he said, no, no, even that in of itself, because we are not pure, we are not sinless, that sacrifice would not measure up. So God said, just as Adam had sinned and sin had come to mankind, so there shall be the son of man and he shall be sinless and he shall live upon this earth and he shall be like them as a man. He shall teach them. He, he shall show thyself unto him. People will see God in flesh, my son. And then the father would make the ultimate sacrifice at the appointed time. I will lay down my son's life. I will give my son. I will give myself so I can be your king. So when you cry out, Hosanna, it's real. There's substance to it. It's not some kind of religious act. It's not something we do just to check the box. It's something that we recognize. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, believe in what? 
Believe in me that I'm your savior, I'm your king, I'm the lamb of God, and believe that I love you, amen? Believe that I love you and I came to, to give you life. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that when Jesus was bearing our sins, he was despised, he was rejected, he suffered, he was stricken by God, he was smitten, he was afflicted, he was pierced, he was crushed, he was oppressed. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53 says. His life was a guilt offering. Verse 10, Isaiah 53 says, his life was a guilt offering. Surely he bore our sorrows. He bore them. You might say, why such suffering? Why suffering? But why not a, you know, a cleaner death? Something not as, as gruesomely dismarred, disfigured, scourged and whipped, and led like a lamb to the slaughter, carrying that cross, pierced and wounded. Why? The Bible gives us clarity on that as he, he suffered, he carried our sorrow so he can identify with every human experience you are, you are identifying with. Any possible sense of pain and suffering, rejection, despisement, affliction that we experience here right now, Jesus says, I know, I know. I willingly laid myself to experience that so that we just not just have a king and a lamb of God, but we have a friend a friend that's closer than a brother. And when he puts his arms around you, when Jesus puts his arms around you, you look at that hand, what are you gonna see? You're gonna see that wound. You're gonna see the pierced hand. And it's gonna remind you, yes, you do understand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being my comfort right now. The father understands the loss of loved ones. Some have experienced a loss of loved ones uh, in a very difficult way I've seen during covid Inability to be in a hospital room with their last dying breath. Inability really to have a funeral that before we'd come together and, and be in support and, and so much hurt and so much tragedy through this whole process. There's a comforter. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he carried our sorrows. He was a man of sorrow. He came upon that colt. He came to be the king. He came to be the lamb. And he came to, to lay down, when he laid down his life, he laid down everything. He said at that last supper when he said the bread, take this body which is broken. The body will be broken. I will be broken for you, for me. So I can be your king, amen. He came for us and by his wounds, we have been healed. We have been healed, we have been healed. We have been made whole by Jesus Christ. Behold, all who put their trust in him, all who believe in him, all who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are made new. They're, they're like they're born again because they are born again. They're born of the Spirit of God, amen? And that's what took place in Pastor Angelo's life and in my life. And that's what's so miraculous to me is, God, you knew back then in 1979 that we would be here today, that I'd be here today. Why am I here? Because of the grace and the goodness of God. But God, I, I wasn't serving you, Lord. I mean, I knew about you, God. And, and I made my confession and I made my communion and my confirmation, but, but I really didn't understand you, Jesus. I didn't understand your word, oh God. I, I didn't understand just the nature and the depth of, of the love and relationship I can have with you. And it's in that time of emptiness and dryness and in soulness, religiosity, but no relationship. I opened my heart and, uh, and I heard Doug saying you 37 years ago today, you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, amen. 
and God changed your life radically and brought you through teen. You're my hero. You go through Teen Challenge for a year, that program, hero, (laughs) hero status. Look what God has done, amen? Oh, salvation has come. Jesus has suffered so you and I can, when we're going through, whatever you're going through today, whatever you're experiencing today, know that your Savior knows your struggle. And not just that, though, but by his stripes you are healed. Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all power. He is the one who can do the healing, amen? He is the one, rightfully one. What's this mean for you? We wake up to the king in verse 10, uh, John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. Look, at this is not a, a, a guilt thing. Jesus didn't come to, Jesus didn't come to, to make you feel that uh, you're this sinner and, and, and you know, if you don't repent, you're going to spend eternity separated from me, so you better repent, you better get it right, and fear and all those things. That is not the message of the Savior. He came with an attitude of love. Look, at that may be true, but when you phrase that, you ever get a text from somebody and there's no context to it? I know, what did this person just say to me? Like, whoa, man, right? The devil loves taking God's word out of context, doesn't he? And make it a pretext, making it a falsity and twisting scripture. Jesus came not to bring fear. Perfect love had cast out all fear. Jesus had come out of love. For God so loved the world. And he graciously bestows himself upon us. And he gives us that free will, but he's wooing us. He's called. Something happened in our lives. Someone was praying for myself and Pastor Ange back, and we were going through our teenage years that led us to that place to say yes to Jesus. And he was knocking on that door, amen, and one day, one day you heard his testimony, and my testimony as well, too. It was on my 19th birthday that one day when someone says, do you want to receive him? I said, yes, out of desperation. I said yes out of deep insecurities and senses of loneliness and depravity from within. Yes, and I stood up and I got out of my chair and I went to an altar and someone was praying for me, amen? And my life has never been the same. My life has never been the same. Why? Because my king has come. My king has come. Jesus comes to give you new life. Give you new life. He'll change your marriage. He'll change your relationship with the, with, within you. When he changes you, everything changes, amen? He can strengthen and sustain. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He rewards the diligent. He is our king, amen? And he's come to give us life and give us life to the full. That is Palm Sunday. That is what we celebrate. And we say, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. We call upon his name this morning. We call upon that new birth that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. We call about eternal life that Jesus spoke to Martha about. Martha, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. In me, you'll have everlasting life. Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? Amen? Oh, we thank the Lord for this day, for our Lord coming to us to to, to save us. Hosanna in the highest. And one of the accounts of, of the triumphal entry palm sunday there was people worshiping the lord like like we were doing this morning under the great inspiration of the worship team we began to worship the lord and some said silence you don't ought to worship him what did jesus say jesus says no if they don't worship me these very stones were because i am the son of god 
I am. It is right to worship him. It is right to bow our knee to him, to have reverence unto him, to submit unto him. We don't, we're not big on kingships in America. We love our democracy. That king thing with England a few hundred years ago didn't go so well, did it? <laughs> you know, we just wanted to get rid of him as fast as we can. We love our democracy. We're Americans. No one's going to rule over us. Right? And, and, and I'm not talking about political governments. I think democracies are great when, when they have morality and they're guided by foundational principles that, that are Judeo-type Christian rules. But you see that there's one way to this king. He's king. He's king. No, it's not like I'm going to do it my way. I'll tell you what salvation is. No. No. He's king. He's king. You have a choice to make. You have a decision. Look at the decision is of love. The decision of is of, of what I've showed you in his word today. He wants you. He wants you. He desires you. But we take up our cross and we follow him. We submit unto him. You are my king. You are my king, Jesus. And whatever's going on in my life right now, wherever I'm at, I might be in the hospital, I might be uh, just lost my job, I might just gotten a bad report, I might have just gone through a terrible breakup, I might be going through the midst of a divorce, and I don't know what's happened. But you're my king. And you're my, you told me, Jesus, if I seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, oh God, that all things, you're going to work these things through in my life. Because you said that, look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and the master has care for you. We need a king. We want a king. He is our king. Come to the king, amen? Wake up to the king. America is forsaking her king. Our nation is birthed in a history of, of church and Christ and God forming. Was it perfect? No, because we're imperfect. But America today, I, I, I listen and I hear, where's the cry to the king? We're facing great calamities. When Pastor Ange and I were growing up, there was a sentiment, a, a country spirit, that there'd be a turning to God in, in tragedy and difficulties. And a nation would come together and we would pray to God. Amen? And that's what we need now more than ever before, but it resides in us. It resides in us. I've got a king on the throne. I'm going to be okay. I've got strength. I've got a, a Jehovah Jireh, my provider. My God is sufficient. My God is able. He is my king, amen? He is my king. Do you know him as your king this morning? Is he your Lord? Is he your savior? He comes upon, again, meekly and low, riding on that colt, looking to you this morning and asking you, am I your king? Am I your king? Is he your king this morning? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you said yes to him? I receive you. I believe in you. Be my king, oh God. Hallelujah. Be my king. Oh, I pray today, this morning, and I don't know the condition of your soul and your spirit today, and where you're at with that and that decision for God, but I would 
I would pray to you or encourage you, implore you or decree to you. I make no bones about it. I am selling Jesus. I am pitching Jesus. I am highly recommending you to consider strongly Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for he is the only way, amen? He's the only one that's conquered grave and the death. He's the only one that raised from the dead and still lives, and he's on his throne, and he's calling to you today, come to me. Come to me, all you are weary. Come to me and let me give you life. Let me give you hope and let me give you strength. So this morning as we draw nigh here in this service and close this time together of preaching, we're Pastor Angel's going to come up and share some uh, good news about the Easter uh, celebrations coming up. And, and then I just really felt in my heart to uh, close the service in a time of, of uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit of the King unto you. I, I, I pray this, and I asked the Lord this week, Lord, what, what would it be, Father? And the Bible says in Hebrews about this King that we have a high priest. Uh, we do not have a high priest who's unable to em- empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. He did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And maybe here today you're in a time of need and you need the king to to pull out his scepter, to lay it upon you and to minister to you and bring forth healing. You need those nail-pierced hands to come alongside you and to touch you. And to help you at your place of need this morning, to minister to you as only this king can. And I pray that today, if you're in a place that, that, Pastor, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And you've told me that he's carried my sorrows. I'm still grieving the loss and we experience in our circle the loss of some friends who lost dear loved ones. Tomorrow marks a one-year anniversary of Dawn Massimino, her husband Chris. She found him a year ago tomorrow in the bathroom, 50 years old and young teenage children, and he was gone. A funeral service was held here, a, a celebration of his life, but yet she's under grief, sorrow, and struggle. As a pastor, I'm so limited in what I can say and what I can do, but I bring the word of God. I bring the word of God. I know that he carried your sorrow. I know you don't understand what's taking place. And you may not understand, but I know his grace is sufficient because he loves you. And he will minister to you and he will strengthen you. And he'll give you a peace that passes your understanding. I had a lunch, a business lunch on Friday with him. And I just met him. And, you know, with Christians, what's beautiful is God gives you these Holy Ghost appointments. And people can, will open up to you if you let them. If you let them. Or just open up to you. Because it's rare for them to find somebody who cares enough about them to share their life. And we, love, we were talking about cars and he has this cool car collection and different things. And he began to share his life. His one son's a doctor and, and he has a grandchild. And I showed him my grandchild pictures. And, and then he, I asked him, well, do you have any other children? He said, well, I have a son, but he died eight years ago. I said, oh, oh I'm sorry. And, and, you know, I asked a question. I, I don't know if it was a right or wrong question. I said, well, I mean, was it something that was an accident, a sickness? And he stopped. And he said, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. The pain of that death eight years ago, the laying of a son, still grieves upon his soul. 
And I prayed for him all that night. I said, Lord, give me words to speak to this man. You brought him into my life, God, for a reason. And perhaps he's never heard, God, the word of God, that God has carried your sorrows, that God has, has gone to the cross for your son. And the father knows what it is to lose a son and to grieve the loss of a loved one. And he can comfort you. He can comfort you and give you the assurance and the promise of his words. So I texted him yesterday. I said, brother, when my dad passed when I was 20 years old and I, I didn't know all the word at that point, someone shared me the scripture verse that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And when I, that word came to me, it just, it just arrested my soul and gave me a peace. Why? Because the king issued that word. That's a word from the king. And when the king issues a word, hallelujah, when he makes a decree, when the king says, this is so, this is so. And the blessed are the moles who mourn, for they will be comforted by God. He is a king of comfort, a king of compassion, a king of love, a king of mercy, and a king of grace. He's demonstrated all that he could demonstrate to us in the lost and dying world. He is our king. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and perhaps you're here today and you've never called upon Jesus as your king. I'm just going to pray this, uh, this time here and if you want to make him your king, the Bible says it's, it's really very simple. The, the words are simple. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I want you to be the king of my life. I'm tired of living my own life and directing my own path. It's gotten me nowhere. I'm empty and I'm lost. And I need a king this morning. Jesus, be my king. He comes to us this morning riding upon that donkey, coming down that hill, the Mount of Olives, and he speaks to all of us here today. And he says, here I am for you. Receive me. Will you receive him this morning? If you're here today and you're going through a very difficult time and you've lost uh, focus maybe or, or the circumstances have pressed down on you and you, you just maybe forgot just how wonderful of a king he is. And you're here today and you're reminded by his word, yes. Yes, I focused on my problems and my circumstances. I need to realize that the king is upon his throne and he loves me and he died for me and he can do all things. And I look to him this morning. Would you look to Jesus? Would you look to Jesus? Let's pray. Pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming for me, for riding upon that donkey, for coming into Jerusalem to suffer, to die upon the cross, to be the atoning sacrifice of my sins, that I may have a new life a life found in you alone. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior, as my King. I give my heart to you. Hosanna, save me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the life I have in you. Thank you for loving me and all that you have for me. I believe in you. I trust in you. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.
Thank you. Pastor Angelo, come on up and share. Hallelujah. Hey guys, let's give it up for Pastor Pat again, if you don't mind. Listen, you're, you're really not going to get a clearer explanation of the gospel than that. That's just old school. This is the truth. Jesus is king. Amen? You know what I mean? It's just the, it's just the gospel message. It's just crystal clear stuff. My question is, before we have a little time of prayer, is when you wake up in the morning... Who's your king? Because how many know if it's you, you got a, you got some issues, right? All of us have a king. Some of us it's the government. Some of us it's self. Some of it's it's money. Some of it's relationships, and the list goes on. What an awesome opportunity you had and you still have to make Jesus your king when you wake up every day. Amen. Wake up to the king, right? Incredible, incredible message. One of the things I love about Jesus being king is how he humbly led. You know what I'm saying? You don't see too many leaders today leading like Jesus. Could have came riding in, could have came in a Cadillac, you know what I'm saying? Could have came in in this beautiful horse with tons of people following him. Instead, he came in a humble donkey. And I believe that's the kind of leadership that God's looking for today. Now, how many know when Jesus, the king, comes a second time, he's coming on a white horse? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. but, but the first time he came as a king, he came humbly to model to you and I that he's been there, he's done that, and he understands our sorrows. We're going to open up the altar. Um, if you need prayer for anything, Maybe you have some sorrows going on, some struggles, some pain in your life, or you just need some prayer, healing, the list goes on. To my left over here, the prayer team will be here. They would love to lay hands on you and pray with you. Maybe you're out there and you're like, I just want to worship the king, just me and the king to my right. Make sense? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Father God, for your freedom. Thank you so much for your healing hand, oh God. Thank you for being our king. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. As we enter now the altar, I just want to invite you guys, not only to this altar, but also to our Easter weekend. This Friday, Good Friday service, we're going to celebrate the cross. I said celebrate the cross. And then Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have a time where we celebrate the resurrection. Amen? Altars open. Let's worship the King. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.